Our next reading is going to come from the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll read 1 Kings 17, verses 7 through 16. That's 1 Kings 17, 7 through 16. But after a while, the wadi had dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, him being Elijah, saying, Go now to Zanfareth, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. For I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he, sent out and, so he set out and went there. When he came to the gate of the town, the widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel, the morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go now and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she, as well as he and her household, ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither would the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken by Elijah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm a fan of gallows humor. You know, that's the kind of humor where you're looking at a really bad situation and you don't really see a good way forward. So really your only option is to laugh. You know, sometimes you just have to laugh in the midst of a bad situation because there's nothing you can do about it. You, Butch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. At the very end of the movie, when they're fixing to have to jump off the cliff, and one of them says, I don't want to jump because I can't swim. He said, it's not the, you can't swim, it's the fall that's going to kill you. You know, but I just love, I love the irony of seeing they're saying, okay, ah, I know I'm, I'm surrounded and, and, and I'm going to jump off the cliff, but I'm really nervous because I'm not nervous about the 30 foot drop. I can't swim. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, you just got, sometimes you just have to laugh at life because what else are you going to do? Holly and I lived through this a few years ago when, uh, when I was diagnosed with kidney cancer. You know, um, based off the initial scans of my kidney, we felt pretty sure that's what it was. So we'd come to grips with it. We'd already done all the reading. We felt pretty good about everything. So when the doctor comes in to confirm it, that we have kidney cancer, he probably had the most bizarre meeting with a patient he'd ever had in his entire life. Because he walks in to tell us, yes, I have kidney cancer. And I said, well, doc... You're going to have cancer, make sure it's something you have two of, which I think is a good line. I think that's funny. He did not find the humor in the situation. So then all my wife's concern was she wanted to see the kidney. Like, so she wanted the doctor to send her a picture of the kidney in surgery because she thinks organs are funny and cool. Okay. So this doctor walks into these two seemingly grown up adults and one's trying to make him laugh. And one wants to see the kidney. You're like, he's like, what am I dealing with here? These are morons, you know? Because our thing is, well, we might as well laugh. We might as well find some humor in this because the reality is the, the reality is not a great situation. So what are you going to do about it? 
you might as well try to find some humor or try to find some levity because it's challenging and life is challenging. So I, I, tr- I appreciate finding humor in things. Gallows humor. The Bible's kind of full of those conversations if you look at it. Uh, one of my favorite examples is Job. When you read Job and you see in Job chapter 1 after he loses everything, he loses his possessions, he loses his wealth, he loses his children, he loses it all. And so he's sitting there afterwards and his wife walks in. His wife says, you should curse God and die. I've never found that part of the Hallmark store. I've never found the curse God and die card to give to somebody in a hard situation. You know, like, that's a pretty blunt thing. And of course, the reality why she said that is because everything Job lost, she lost even more so. Because as the wife, she didn't have the advantages that Job had, so she lost everything Job had, plus some. I was reading the Bible this week. If you follow our Rooted Rooted in Christ story, our Rooted in Christ readings that we do each, send out each morning, one of the situations with Paul this week is Paul's arrested. He's getting beat repeatedly. Paul just, bless his heart, he's getting beat. Just constant, just constant. Paul's life is a constant beating. And so he's about to get beaten in the temple. And, um, and the, the Roman guard, the tribute, tribune says, wait, so you're not the guy, the, assass- the, the man from Egypt who ran to the desert with 4,000 assassins? And Paul says, I am not. And they just left it there. So there was this guy in Paul's day that escaped to the desert with 4,000 assassins. Doesn't that sound like an awesome movie? Don't you want to see the story of the 4,000 assassins running around the Egyptian desert? There's got to be more there than just that one line. Like, come on, finish the rest of the story. And then today, Brett did a wonderful job, did a wonderful job in the children's moment of kind of explaining this situation. This widow, she was given up. She, she, she had given up. She was done. She says, I'm going to take what I got. I'm going to find me some sticks. I'm going to make a little cake. I'm going to make a little, little water. We're going to eat it. And then we're going to die. Okay, that's, that's blunt. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, okay, I guess, I guess you've got your plan, don't you? I mean, that's a dark place to be, guys. That's a heartbreaking, frustrating. You ever been there? You ever been to that moment like that where you're like, I guess all I can do is make this cake for my son, and then we'll just die. She was a widow. She had no means of income. It was a famine. It was an awful situation. And so she, had, she, as Brett said so, so right this morning, she had given up. I mean, what more could she do? What do you do in the face of that? What do you do in the face of a situation so crippling and so painful that your only option is going to be to make a cake, to feed it to your child, and then die? That's bleak, y'all. That's bleak. And then Elijah has the nerve to come to this woman who's lost everything and is ready to die and say, oh, and by the way, can you make me a little something to eat too? I mean, come on. Can you imagine the nerve of this guy? That's what she had to be thinking. Really? Really, I just told you we're going to die and you want me to go make you something to eat. Come on. You can't squeeze blood from a turnip. Really? 
Really, I've got nothing more. To, I just literally told you I'm going to go home and die. I'm going to make you a sandwich? Really? What are we talking about here? What, what are we, what are we talking? What's going on? What are we talking about? We're busy, y'all. Life's hard. A lot of us got a lot going on in our lives. Work responsibilities, health responsibilities, challenges with children, challenges with family, challenges with parents, challenges with our, with our own health. A lot of us got a lot going on, y'all. And the preacher has the nerve to ask you to give a little more. The preacher has the nerve to ask you to serve. Don't they know how busy we are? Don't they know what we got going on? Don't they know how hard it is nowadays? And they're asking us to tithe, to give 10% of our income to the church. They're asking us to serve, to serve on committees, to serve in ministries, to, to as, as Zach said this morning, to sometimes be uncomfortable, to give sacrificially, to serve sacrificially. Are they not paying attention? Don't they see how hard things are nowadays? Don't they see how challenging things are nowadays? And they're asking for this? Come on, guys, really? You may feel this morning like this widow felt. Like, really? I'm doing the best I can and you won't leave me alone. Really? But when you read the text, you know what kept the widow from dying? And what kept the son from dying in this text? It was the fact that they did what Elijah asked. For it was when they gave, their life was actually given back. It was when she took what she had and gave repeatedly and gave repeatedly and gave repeatedly. That might not in her mind have even made sense in that moment. It's when she did that. She found the meal extended. She found the oil extended. She found that God made a way. She found that God preserved their life and God gave their life back. That God made a way and gave their life back. God, this morning, is not calling us to give. God is calling us to live. Because maybe it's not a turnip we're holding this morning, we're trying to squeeze your blood. I, by the way, I googled, the, I tried to find out where the phrase blood from a turnip came from. It, it don't really know. Like, the best thing that could come up with is that it's trying to get something from something that can't produce it. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when the people are wandering and they're about to die of thirst. And Moses goes up to a rock and uses his staff and water comes out of it. Water doesn't come out of rocks, y'all. Just like blood doesn't come out of turnips. Turnips. 
But in God's economy and in God's world and in God's life, blood can come from turnips and water can come from rocks because God can make things happen. God's not calling us this morning to give. He's calling us this morning to live because it was in her giving the widow found her life. It was in her giving the widow found her way forward. It was in her giving that the widow found what she needed to preserve her life, to preserve the life of her son, and to extend her life. Our giving is actually our path forward. It's actually our way for life because as Francis taught us in that prayer that I've said so often this month, it's in the giving that we receive. When we give financially, when we give of our time, when we give of our efforts, when we give of our presence, when we give of our support, we are given back because we find there that community. We find that group. I, I hope you heard, and I did not arrange this. I did not do it this way. But I hope you heard in every stewardship talk, you know what everyone said is the reason why they're faithful to the church. It's the community they found. It's the children's ministry. It's the small group. It's the Sunday school. It's the people of this church that make them faithful. It's not the preacher. It's not the denomination. It's not the choir. It's not Tim. It's not any of these things. It is the people of this church that build the community. That is life-giving. And when we give ourselves to that, not give ourselves to growing a 501c3. Not give ourselves to meeting a budget. Not give ourselves to propping up programming. But give ourselves to this community. We find there what we need for life. Because in the end, all we need in life is that relationship. With God and with each other. That's what we're made for, y'all. We're made for that relationship. The question this morning in the gospel reading was, what's the greatest commandment? You know the answer. To love God, love neighbor. That's what we're made for. And when we give of our resources, even when we think we don't have them, we find life. And when we give of our time, even when we're crunched for it, or even when we do things like speak, when we don't feel comfortable, we're blessed for it. God's not calling us to give blindly or to give for some other purpose. He's calling us to life. When the widow gave, when she gave, she found life. When she gave, she found life. That's, that's the way it works, y'all. That's the way it works. This world, this world tells us it's all about me and what I want and what I can get from it and how I can win and how I can be victorious and how I can get what I want out of every little thing and that I, it's all about getting my needs met and my wants and my preference and my desires. And you know what happens in life? <laughs> Nothing ever meets that. Nothing. Nothing ever, we can't live the perfect life seeking only to glorify ourselves and get what we want. That life is not attainable and is not possible. If I live only for Andy, 
I will be miserable. I will be. If you live only for you, you will be miserable. But it's like I tell couples in premarital counseling, the path to happiness in marriage is not expecting the other person to meet your needs. The path to happiness in marriage is you seeking to meet the needs of your partner. Because when we seek to meet each other's needs, all of our needs are met. Y'all, this story tells us the secret to life. It's not about the receiving that makes life beautiful. It's about the giving. It's about the giving that makes life beautiful. God has placed us here in this time, in this place. We have a lot of needs in all manner of ways. But in a lot of opportunities, in a lot of ways to affect this community with the good news of Jesus Christ. Your resources, your giving, your service are needed now in this church now more than ever. And what I'm telling you, y'all, is when we do that, when we live in that way, we are blessed. This is not blood from a turnip. It's water from a rock that is made possible by Jesus Christ. It's in the giving that we receive, y'all. It's in the giving that we receive. May we give ourselves not to grow a church. May we give ourselves not to meet a budget. May we give ourselves not to look good. But may we give ourselves sacrificially to this beautiful community that binds us together. And when we do that, we will be like this widow. We will find in that giving the very thing that saves our life. And that very thing is Jesus Christ. Let's give faithfully to him. And in him, let's find his life. Let's pray.